0: this is the florida roundup i'm tom hudson thanks for being along with us this week 2023 sounded a little bit like this in florida
1: we are uh, kind of melting the servers well i am running for president of the united states in
2: miami former president donald trump is now officially a criminal defendant
0: chaos is speaker mccarthy
1: our standards do not teach that slavery was beneficial.
2: The disgusting, obscene pornography that is in some of the books that are
3: being read. There is irony in banning books when so many of the greatest works of literature warn us of the repercussions of doing so.
0: We are going to make the decisions not to be judging people on the basis of group identity, but on their individual merit. Heat index values could reach as high as 115 degrees, places like Pensacola, Gulf Breeze, and Santa Rosa Island. It's the most water I've ever seen here. It's like a river in the road. For the first time in a long time, we're seeing 0% rate increase requests. Lionel,
2: Andres, Messi.
0: Governor running for president, a former president indicted in Florida on criminal charges, a Florida man leading the way to kick out the U.S. House Speaker, book banning in African-American history, crowding the debate over public education, a sweltering summer, yes, one hurricane, housing affordability challenges, insurance through the roof, and a banner year in sports, mostly. Whew. Just some of what we will tackle in the coming hour with Mary Ellen Class with Bloomberg Opinion. Kimberly Leonard with Politico and Scott Maxwell, columnist with the Orlando Sentinel. Let's start on social media, because after all, that's where Governor Ron DeSantis started his presidential campaign in May on what was then still called Twitter. All right. Sorry about that. We we've
1: got so many people here that I think we are we are uh, kind of melting the servers, uh,
0: which is a good sign. Well, maybe not such a great sign. It was a let's call it a glitchy start.
1: Well, I am running for president of the United States to lead our great American comeback.
0: The governor's campaign has been about as smooth since then as it was at its beginning. Mary Ellen, let's start with the governor deciding to run for president. Why did he make that decision after a resounding re-election a couple of years ago?
2: Well, I think that ever since the governor's uh, came off of the COVID pandemic, he had into, he, where he you know he had gotten lots of national attention for his sort of opposition approach to uh the vaccines and to masking and to school closures and so he had this great momentum and um and so his team had said if the governor wins re-election by a substantial margin he is likely to run for president and at the time the governor was pretty confident that Donald Trump's numbers were in decline, mm-hmm. and that he would be a better have a better chance of, of ascending to the GOP nomination. As we have watched, all of that has changed, and um, his calculus was not only wrong, but his instincts were bad. and um and here we are with um, him running and Donald Trump running, and both of them on a collision course with, Ron DeSantis, the the likely uh, victim yeah. of that crash.
0: Scott, there's an Internet meme uh, uh, with two visuals. One is how it started. And the second one is, how is it going? It has not been going very well for the governor, has it? No. In fact,
1: yeah, as you mentioned, uh, the debut made Donald Trump's escalator uh, ride look classy and flawless. And it's only been downhill then. And I got to tell you, he's done uh, worse than I expected, as as Mary Ellen mentioned. He had such a a commanding victory. I think his team, which is largely sort of a troll group of folks, uh, thought they were going to be able to take their anti-woke, anti-CRT mindset on a national uh, level and enjoy the same success. But what they have run into is that most Americans don't understand what the hell they're talking about. And, and they start to go, why, why is this guy constantly fighting with Mickey Mouse? Hmm. And why, when he's asked about insurance premiums or education, does he start talking about wokeism and critical race theory? I think a lot of Americans are saying it doesn't really make sense to them. And keep in mind, we're talking about Republicans. Uh, but if they are Republican who really want a lot of culture warring, they already have their guy. Uh, it's Donald Trump. And he uh, they haven't shown much of a willingness to abandon him for DeSantis.
0: Yeah, Kimberly, it hasn't been so much a battle about Florida ideology encompassed by Governor DeSantis and his first term in office, as opposed to just a clash of personalities in the Republican Party.
3: Well, that's some of it. But I also think that the Trump campaign has been surprisingly very organized, very um straightforward with the way that they've gone after DeSantis. I mean, when he waited to run for office, they were running ads about him opposing Medicare and Social Security. And I was seeing that show up in focus groups Mm. that uh, Republicans were then turning around and saying, hang on, he's the guy who's against these programs. And so they have, you know, been sort of meticulous about how they have uh, cast the governor. And so even before he got into the race, you know, I think... I think certainly he has had a a flawed strategy by trying to wrestle Trump's um, base from him. But also the fact that the Trump campaign has really been able to draw their contrast and paint a picture of DeSantis has has worked for them.
0: Mary Ellen, it's been said that uh, it's impossible to out-Trump Trump, Trump, and that seems to have been the governor's kind of strategy going into his presidential campaign back in May.
2: Yeah, exactly. I mean, that is why I think his instincts were so flawed. Uh, He thought that the way to win the Republican nomination was to be just a mini-Trump, and his argument was I can do everything that he promised, except that I have evidence that we've accomplished it in Florida. Um, that argument is flawed for many reasons because Florida is not the rest of the nation. The governor has a complicit legislature. Um, he has he implemented things in a way that wasn't good. You know, they've been challenged. Mm-hmm. They've been thrown. Many of his ideas have been thrown out, and so um, he thought that. This would be the argument that would take him over the, you know, into into the into Milwaukee when they have their their uh, convention next yeah. year. It hasn't worked out that way. Uh,
0: no, it hasn't. He's uh, you know he has a tough enough time getting out of Des Moines, Iowa, let alone making it all the way to Milwaukee. And sometime in the summer of 2024, the governor, of course, and the rest of the GOP presidential contenders have been trailing the former president who's avoided all direct encounters with his rivals, at least on the campaign trail. President Trump has skipped all of the Republican debates, including the one that was held this year in South Florida. But he was in Miami in June for a historic appearance.
3: Here in Miami, if the, uh, the president, presumably now in the building, released the garage where he will face this arraignment. I'm checking my watch. Uh, about nine minutes of now is the, is the scheduled time.
2: It is just after... p.m. in the east, and we are here in Miami witnessing history unfold in this federal courthouse behind me. Former President Donald Trump is now officially a criminal defendant. A
0: Florida grand jury indicted the former president on charges of mishandling classified documents at his Palm Beach home. Kimberly, uh, four indictments uh, now against uh, the, the former president, one of them here in Florida. They've not hurt his popularity with Florida Republicans, however.
3: No, they've helped him. And I think that, you know, not I think the polling shows that there's this rally around effect that Trump is benefiting from. And so I think the big question heading into 2024 is, is he going to see that same surge if, you know, he is found guilty of a lot of these charges, yeah. and we'll see, right, right? I mean, we know that the January 6th hearings on Capitol Hill did harm Trump's popularity, so um, it'll be interesting to see um, what happens, you know, as a result of, of the, the upcoming uh, cases, some of which are scheduled to be heard here in Florida.
0: Yeah, Scott, the former president led the charge, of course, on the big lie uh, that the uh, election was stolen. It was not. Uh, it helped lead to changes to Florida voting laws, including an elections police force. Ironically or not, uh, some of the voting um, charges that have come out of uh, the 2020 campaign in Florida have been coming from central Florida with uh, with Republicans.
1: Yeah, that is right. There has been a uh, when I think I think there were 20 arrests, that the governor announced the first time when he had his state elections force. Uh, most of those were in Democratic areas, more urban areas. A lot of them were darker-skinned uh, folks. Uh, some of those cases have fallen apart. Uh, and However, ones that did not fall apart, where there's been five now in the villages, mm-hmm. and these were people who've already admitted gift, guilt to uh, voting twice uh, versus another one who was convicted of uh, sealing in a ballot for his father. The governor doesn't talk about Uh, Those very often, they've mostly gotten off with slaps on the wrist, including community service, which in one case, they were even able to buy out their community service hours for $10 an hour, which I didn't know. Always That's for sale.
0: I didn't realize that was for sale, too, in Florida. So land by the gallon and community service by the dollar. Yeah. So I think I I don't think there's any
1: objective what you can't uh, agree with those who say this was more about trying to intimidate. Certain people from voting, probably for Democratic poorer and minority uh, voters, because the 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 widespread fraud certainly hasn't panned out in uh, in accusation wise. And the handful of cases we have seen have been uh, a lot of them have been white Republicans who've gotten their hands slapped and then gone about their merry way.
0: Mary Ellen, uh, despite the indictments or perhaps because of them, uh, Florida's congressional Republican delegation, uh, many of them have chosen a side already in this presidential election uh, with the former president. How how is his influence with the Florida uh, congressional delegation?
2: Well, it was interesting because he has invited um, many of them over to to Mar-a-Lago. There was an infamous picture earlier uh, this fall where he had most of the Republican congressional delegation at his table. And um, these are the same people that the DeSantis campaign has been you know, courting for months, and um, their their arrival at Mar-a-Lago was the evidence that they had sided, they had taken sides with Donald Trump, and that's not that should not have come as a big surprise to anybody. But um, the the dynamic has led made Florida this this intensive battleground yeah. um, that really reflects the internal division within the Republican Party itself. Yeah, it's and, interesting, um, right? It's, it, the...
0: it's no longer yeah. a, a blue versus red battleground, but it, it's a red versus deep red battleground.
2: Yeah, and and it also indicates the, the internal fight that's, that's going on between the people who want to replace Trump, um, from the never-Trumpers to the sort of uh, open to someone other than Trump, uh, and and the the massive influence of the continuing Trump campaign, or and um, and this so what we're what we're seeing playing out in Florida is really happening on a national scale, and you know it doesn't look like it's going to be easily resolved. Um, even if Trump wins the nomination, I think we're going to continue to see some fallout from this this internal bickering.
0: Marilyn Klaus writes for Bloomberg Opinion. She is along with us as we look back at the year that was here in 2023 in Florida. Kimberly Leonard writes for Politico and Scott Maxwell is a columnist with the Orlando Sentinel. In Washington, a Florida congressman led the way this year for a different historic moment. This one was kicking out a sitting U.S. speaker. Republican Matt Gates ushered this effort along to remove Kevin McCarthy from that leadership position. I don't think voting against Kevin McCarthy is chaos. I think $33 trillion in debt is chaos. I think that facing a $2.2 trillion annual deficit is chaos. I think that not passing single-subject spending bills is chaos. I think the fact that we have been governed in this country since the mid-'90s by continuing resolution and omnibus is chaos. Well, Gates uh, got chaos for days as House Republicans struggled to agree on a new speaker in Washington. Uh, and when they did, they still got Mary Ellen a uh, continuing resolution on spending, which expires in January. None of what uh, Matt Gates said led to his leading the ouster of Kevin McCarthy has come to fruition.
2: Right. And as we watched, there just continues to be um, more more chaos within <laughs> right. within uh, the uh, within Congress. Um, and that has you know, that that has caused potential problems, especially as the the pro- the international um, crises can you know evolve um, in this time we've we've had the, the horror that's been happening in Gaza and Israel um and and that really made it difficult for for I think Congress to respond yeah. quickly yeah. when needed. Um, and it's been hamstringing um governing essentially
0: yeah uh, Scott the maneuver certainly helped. Raise the national profile of uh, Florida's first congressional uh, representative, Matt Gates. Yeah, and I think uh, anybody who's watched
1: him for any period of time, as I know uh, Maryland and I think Kimberly have, you even back to his days in the legislature, knows that with Matt Gates, it is all about Matt Gates, and uh, that is what came out of uh, this. It was not a better governing gov- uh, governor. Gov- excuse me, government. It was not a, a leaner or meaner or more conservative, but it was a, uh, a process in which Matt Gates was at the center. And when you break down like sort of why America's uh, politics is so messy in so many sis- uh, si- situations, it's because of these individual districts. And Matt Gates could probably, you know, uh, do whatever he wanted in the center of Main Street and be elected by a ma- by a landslide hmm. in that House district. He is extremely safe. Uh, he enjoys the chaos. If he, anybody's watched him, he he sort of uh, thrives in it. And there's not really any uh, going to be any payback for him. Uh, he got his moment and is uh, and his heightened uh, recognition.
0: Kimberly, how has all of this affected the influence of the Florida delegation? Of, of Republicans, which is a, a, a pretty big voting block on Capitol Hill and, and their influence in the House.
3: Yeah, well, I mean, they had that one instance, but, you know, they still don't have any leadership on any of these committees. And we had a story in Politico that, that was about that, how they still, you know, how they're so big, how, yes, there was the Gates situation, but then, you know, there's still nobody chairing any of these committees, so it does wane in that influence. But I think one of the things that the Gates... um kerfuffle i guess you could say did was really get chatter going about the governor's race actually for 2026 right, and
0: whether or not gates is interested in that
3: well and not only that but then we started asking other people who are sort of on the short list mm-hmm. and they started saying yes i'm interested i'm interested you know just to keep their <laughs> names in the in the conversation
0: yeah all the whispering for uh to, well, let's get through 2024 before we get to 2026 uh so the only in florida Uh, story uh, next here a beloved american icon an economic engine entangled with a governor accusations of corporate cronyism insider deal making the top ethics regulator breaking its own rules and then an oversight board member married to the state gop chairman involved in a consensual three-way adult sexual affair all of this is the disney and governor DeSantis saga
1: being joined at the hip with this one california-based company was not something that was justifiable or sustainable. And so we said we're going to do something about it. And so now Disney's going to be treated like SeaWorld is treated or like any of these others.
0: All right, Scott Maxwell, this is In Your Backyard. What an eventful year. Uh, Where to start with all of this?
1: Yeah, that's a a great question, where to start. And one thing I would say you start with is that there were a lot of people who uh, never thought Disney should have had their own um, uh, private, Government And I would be one of them. There are people here uh, in Orlando who thought that. Let me tell you who did think Disney should have their own private government. Ron DeSantis and virtually every single Republican in the Florida legislature. These guys were bosom buddies. They funded each other's campaigns. They did special favors. I mean, it's been well documented that uh, DeSantis' staff helped work with Disney to exempt them from the social media crap that was going on uh, Facebook and Twitter, going so far as to say that all companies that had media platforms would have to abide by these new draconian laws unless you happen to own a theme park. even the Republican judge in the case said what well, that that doesn't make any sense right, right. So they used to do lots of uh, favors for each other but then Disney had the audacity to sort of be pressured by us and some others into speaking against the don't say gay yeah and most importantly in my mind, announced they were cutting off these politicians. Uh, financially. Yep. Yep. And and I think that's really what ticked off uh, the governor and a lot of the Republicans.
0: It is making its way through court still and will be a legal and political issue in 2024, as Governor DeSantis has used it on the campaign trail with his presidential ambitions. Speaking of next year, what are you looking forward to in the new year? Email us the story you're eager to tell or the story you want to hear. Radio at the dot org. Elections, education, the environment, home insurance, affordability, inflation, interest rates, radio at thefloridaroundup.org. Well, 2023 has been quite the year still to come on this program as we continue to take a look back. Books, black history, and a new, new college. You're listening to the Florida Roundup from your Florida public radio station. Welcome back to the Florida Roundup. I'm Tom Hudson. We're looking back at some of the big stories this year in Florida. Thanks for being along with us and Happy New Year. Florida leads the country in removing books from school libraries, according to the free expression advocacy group Pan America. School boards across the state heard from parents, students, teachers and residents all year long about what is and what is not appropriate. Tony Morrison's book, The Bluest Eye, was taken off the shelves in Pinellas County schools early this year. Student Hannah Ippolito spoke at a February school board meeting.
3: There is irony in banning books when so many of the greatest works of literature warn us of the repercussions of doing so.
0: The book was back and available for high school students by the spring. In June, the Leon County School Board was debating a much different book after a parent complained.
2: As I was reading the book... Um, I had no issue with the book at all until it got to the one page in question.
0: This is Leon County School Board member Lori Lawson Cox. The page in question was in the book I Am Billie Jean King by Brad Meltzer.
2: We all know that she was gay and don't have a problem with that. Don't even have a problem with it saying that. But then when I read that it goes on to describe what gay is, that if you're a girl, that you um, love and have romantic feelings for another girl. And if you're a boy, that you love and have romantic feelings for another boy.
0: The board ultimately voted to keep the book in the library since it was not used in classroom instruction. Almost 80 books have been removed from Charlotte County schools. Christine Karlameni of Gulf Cove was one of those attending an October meeting.
2: LGBTQ plus is a very small minority and you can support them but the rest of the children do not need to hear the disgusting, obscene pornography that is in some of the books that are being read.
0: School districts have been under a greater scrutiny by parents, regulators, and others because of the parental rights in education law. It bans classroom instruction on sexual orientation and gender identity for students. So this is where we have arrived as our review of 2023 continues here on the Florida Roundup with Bloomberg Opinion. Mary Ellen Klaas is still with us. Scott Maxwell with the Orlando Sentinel and Kimberly Leonard writes for Politico. Scott, why do you think there's still confusion about how schools implement this parental rights in education law and this debate over whether or not a book is appropriate, age appropriate in a school library?
1: I, I think that is a wonderful question and the reason is because that is absolutely the intention of this law it is a chaos creation law the state uh, uh department of education the governor's office very specifically have not said specifically what should be banned and i mean that like there's been challenges of, of, of books like a, a children's book and tango makes three mm-hmm. it's a it's a illustrated book about penguins and you go to fdoe and you say uh does this violate the state statutes uh should should kids be able to allow to read this book they will not answer that question because that is the intent in in my estimation anyway uh because if, if you wanted to have clear guidelines you would answer them uh you would tell people but the idea is to make media people and teachers pull things from the shelves and they do so by these anecdotes uh sort of like what you just heard from some of the sound clips just a moment ago Hey, they're they're pretty uh misrepresentative. I talked with Orlando author John Green, who's had a number of his books challenged. Yep. You know, there there are verses in the Bible uh that talk very specifically about a, a prostitute who lusted after men with donkey sized genitals. Mm. Uh if you were only to read that phrase, you would probably say ban the book, but most thinking people would say there's something more, excuse me, if you were in favor of banning books, which I'm not, uh, you would say there's more to the to totality of the work, um, but it's just sort of banning by chaos right now, and that seems to be the intention. And I would say, uh, one final point, to bring it back to Governor DeSantis, this is another thing that doesn't, resonate with the rest of America, that there's a lot of sort of these Moms for Liberty warriors who are having big fun here in Florida, but it's not playing well throughout the
0: country. At one point, there was a school district that uh, spoke publicly about the possibility that Shakespeare may have to be banned. And there, the Department of Education stepped in and was explicit and said, no, Shakespeare actually is okay, is age appropriate. Mary Ellen, you've watched this debate over public education for a good long time. It's been a brew of policy, politics and personality for decades. Has this chapter been any different, do you think?
2: This chapter has been different, and I, and I think it, the p- primary reason is that it is not about, um, you know, before it used there used to be, how are we going to influence schools? It is now an effort to control how people think and what is acceptable thinking. And, you know, we have often watched as we've had debates over how we divide up the money and, and, and support public education. We have not seen this kind of, um, you know, legislating and codifying mind control in many ways. Um, it began with the, African Ameri- the push on AP, um, African American history course. Um, it, it has now, it, you know, and morphed into the gender uh, discussion. The fact is that mo- most of these gender discussions were not even happening in K through third grade when when they passed the initial parental rights and education law. But it was just the threat of that. Yeah. And it was used by, I think, an extremist component of the Republican Party. And they wanted to to control and use this as a way to gain strength and power. Um, and, and, you know, we have People using, you know, the education commissioner, Manny Diaz, said, we do not accept woke indoctrination as education. Well, what does that mean? Of course, parents would disagree with woke indoctrination as education.
0: Of any indoctrination.
2: Scott, of any indoctrination. But as Scott said, they intentionally choose to make it vague, yeah. and, and that's had a chilling effect all throughout the school system from kindergarten through our higher education programs
1: And if I could pop back in please for go one ahead, Scott. note about the indo- indoctrination ironically on the other hand these Prager Ed, uh, videos. Uh, the Prager, the the one who founded these videos, he has actually said these videos are about indoctrination. Yeah, that 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 is his that is his direct quote. What they are for. And I think if parents were to look at some of these cartoons uh, that have been now sort of greenlit by Florida to go into public classrooms, where Christopher Columbus is asked questions like, "Hey, why did you put uh, black people, making them be slaves?" and Christopher Columbus says, hey, "At least we didn't kill them." I I I don't think that is the kind of thing that uh, most parents would say, no, that you're killing it with my kid's history lesson.
0: Yeah, the Prager PragerU uh, videos have been approved by the Department of Education for some uh, uh, instructional uh, purposes. Kimberly, I do want to ask you about the money in education because it is substantial in Florida when it's K-12 publica- uh, uh, public education. A big change this year has led to the expansion of the school voucher program. It had been incremental, but an enormous change in the last 12 months, allowing the parent of a public school child in Florida to take the public tax dollars and move into the private education environment.
3: Right. And so they can use these vouchers then to, you know, go to a different school. And so it's been a big fight um, that the, um, you know, that teachers and teachers unions have been trying to push back on. Um, You know, this is something that Florida Republicans have wanted to do for a long time, but it also fits into this mold, which a lot of these other topics that we're talking about were really... Policies that the governor is using to run for president, and so um, he has also, if even recently, he said he wanted to implement quote universal school choice across the U.S. And so it's just all of these different pieces, really, you know, he's trying to use to pave the way, but it's obviously not not resonating.
0: Let's talk about the uh, uh, curriculum around teaching African American history. In July, the Department of Education approved new standards. Uh, One of those benchmarks states that students will be taught, quote, how slaves develop skills which in some instances could be applied for their personal benefit. A lot of controversy around that statement. The chancellor of K-12 public schools, Paul Burns in Florida, rejected the criticism that the new standard suggests enslaved people benefited from slavery.
1: Our standards do not
0: teach that slavery was beneficial. Our, Our standards don't do that. Our standards are factual, objective standards that really teach the good, the bad, and the ugly. Teachers say the new benchmarks don't go deep enough and wanted the state board to put the standards on hold. Uh, Thomas Bugos teaches social studies in Seminole County. Our students deserve to be equipped with a comprehensive understanding of our nation's past, even if the history is unpleasant. Now, this decision prompted a vice presidential visit to the Sunshine State. Kamala Harris came to Jacksonville.
2: So it is not only misleading... It is false and it is pushing propaganda.
0: Scott, this rewrite of standards for African-American history in Florida public schools came as the state has a law that bans teaching history that would make someone feel anguish. Can you connect those two things?
1: I think you absolutely can. And that's the, the most important uh, aspect of this, in my estimation. I mean, first, the quote, I think, you, from the chancellor, where he said, you want to hear about the slavery? He said, the good, bad, and the ugly take a second to think, to think about that, the good that that's, you want to make sure that you've got the good of slavery. I think that, that, that sort of mindset would surprise a lot of people, but when coupled with what you just mentioned, all these restrictions on what you can uh, tell children, including anything that might make them feel guilty about their ancestry or their ethnic heritage. There's a reason that basically lessons about racism, uh, cannot be taught or at least, uh, put teachers on caution for teaching about provable things like why more uh, people of color might be arrested or sentenced harshly uh, because it might end up causing guilt or feelings of shame. On one hand, you have the state saying you can't talk about how the lessons of of racial imbalance are still permeating our society today. On the other side, you have to say we're going to talk about the good sides of slavery or the beneficial aspects. I think it paints a pretty clear and frankly ugly picture.
0: The debate over education in Florida not confined to uh, K-12, through 12. Florida's state colleges and universities weren't spared from any of this. One of the biggest stories happened at the state's smallest public universities, New College. Governor DeSantis replaced almost half of the school's trustees back in January. They quickly began following through on a promise to what they called transform the school into a conservative campus. Critics say it was a hostile takeover. Conservative activist Christopher Rufo was one of those appointed to the board of trustees. And in late February, the board abolished the school's diversity, equity and inclusion programs.
3: We are going to make the decisions not to be judging people on the basis of group identity, but on their
0: individual merit. In May, then, the governor used the school as a backdrop to sign legislation that eliminates state money for college campus and universities' DEI initiatives.
1: Some of these niche subjects like critical race theory, other types of DEI-infused courses and majors, Florida's getting out of that game. If you want to do things like gender ideology,
0: go to Berkeley That would be a reference to the University of California at Berkeley. Uh, Kimberly Leonard from Politico, how did this happen at New College? Why New College?
3: Well, um, he seems to look for opportunities, you know, to be able to make a lot of headlines and to, um, you know, generate attention and things like that. And for a while, that seemed to be something that really worked well for DeSantis. It's why he was polling so high um, in you know these hypothetical presidential campaign polls in which um, he would sort of quote you know troll the libs and this was just another example of that Um, but you know as as he sort of doubled down over time on all of these different pieces we've seen him lose support um, from Floridians Polls show that the coalition that supported him um, in 2022, independents, women, Hispanics, are all, we've seen a fall mm. in the last year on, of their support.
0: You are listening to the Florida Roundup from your Florida public radio station. I'm Tom Hudson. We're taking a look back at the news that was in Florida in 2023 with Kimberly Leonard from Politico, Scott Maxwell with the Orlando Sentinel, Mary Ellen Kloss with Bloomberg Opinion. Florida's two abortion laws remain in legal limbo as we come to the end of this calendar year. The state Supreme Court is considering the constitutionality of a 15-week ban that was approved by lawmakers a couple of years ago. This spring, lawmakers okayed a much more restrictive six-week ban with no exceptions for rape or incest. Republican Jenna Persons Mullica from Fort Myers sponsored this bill.
2: It's a bill that recognizes the importance and value of the life of innocent, unborn human beings.
0: Marilyn class uh, efforts to put an abortion question to Florida voters are underway. How have those efforts been influenced by what lawmakers have been doing?
2: Well, I think the effort began uh, as soon as Roe v. Wade was turned turned over to the states, and um, they, you know, initially decided that after Ron DeSantis had signed the 15-week abortion ban, that Florida needed to put it in its constitution. So that effort began after uh, the governor ran for re-election, at which time he never said that he never committed to signing a six-week abortion ban. After he'd already made it across the threshold and won re-election, that is when they initiated the six-week abortion ban. And, um, and that is... The 15-week ban is still is still being challenged. The right. six-week ban will be cha- is is being challenged as well. Everything is sort of waiting on um, Florida Supreme Court ruling on this. But the the ballot initiative is something that that Florida is probably one of the largest states making this effort. It's happened across the country with some success. And um, the problem is Florida has higher a higher 60% threshold. Right. The time to get the, the uh, petitions in and validated is very, very short. Um, it yeah. looks like they're making he- headway, but we're not sure if it's going to make it. And then the Supreme Court may Completely invalidate the language and not even make it an option in this election cycle.
0: Yeah, Kimberly, the the, the political dimension nationally that Mary Ellen alludes to in terms of other state voting, uh, Ohio, which has traditionally been a battleground state between Republican Democrats, uh, uh, had a successful uh, uh, abortion supporters will call it a successful vote. Kansas also similar. How how is Florida kind of shaping up in this national political dimension around abortion?
3: Well would pro if it were to make it before voters, it would probably pass just because that's what we've seen, you know, across the country. It seems that Americans overwhelmingly support a certain level of abortion rights. You know, they might not want, you know, full scale California, New Jersey, New York, but um they do support a certain level of that. And I think that um, you know, <laughs> that Republicans are are learning sort of the hard way, you know, be careful what you wish for because they push for the roe v Wade. Um, to be overturned, and yet when the question is put before voters, which they were saying, let's make this a democratic process, um, they are losing that, and they are losing elections based on this issue. I mean, Democrats are going to be running on this issue in twenty twenty four. Biden will be running on this issue. Um, state lawmakers, you know, everyone running for Congress, yeah. and it does seem to sway voters. Even even you know, in twenty twenty two. the The red wave that was anticipated across the U.S. didn't happen in large part because Americans came out and said that they wanted to preserve abortion rights.
0: Scott, uh, just 30 seconds. But uh, Kimberly's point there to remember, uh, the, the Supreme Court put this back to the states and states are deciding now.
1: Yeah, I agree with Kimberly. The Republicans were a little bit like the dog that caught the car on this case because now it has made uh, it an issue and you mentioned um, uh correctly kansas kansas is really the state that i think freak florida republicans out mm. kansas is redder than florida has been traditionally 60 percent of their residents said they wanted to keep it legal that freaked out the florida republicans so much to the extent that they are now trying to push to, to increase the constitutional amendment threshold to 67 yeah. percent. that passed in the house yeah so i think you're going to see that uh Those efforts continue. Uh,
0: Scott, Kimberly, Mary Ellen, stick with us. Still to come on our roundup of 2023, a record hot summer in Florida. You're listening to the Florida Roundup from your Florida Public Radio station. We're back on the Florida Roundup. Thanks again for listening and for supporting public radio in your community. I'm Tom Hudson. We are taking a look back at 2023, and it is set to be the warmest year on record. The National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration says this past November was the hottest in the organization's 174 year global climate record. And ask anybody who lives in Florida how the summer was. It was sweltering. It may have been warmer than usual this season, an intensely hot summer that all of us are going to remember. Last June, in fact, many parts of the state were placed under historic heat alerts. Heat index values could reach as high as 115 degrees through early this evening in the excessive heat warning, which includes places like Pensacola, Gulf Breeze, and Santa Rosa Island. 115 in the Panhandle. Holy smokes, I'm just sweating thinking about that. That's meteorologist Justin Ballard warning of those uh, life-threatening conditions. Uh, Heat warnings were pretty common in South Florida, Central Florida, all across the peninsula and the panhandle in those summer months. Mary Ellen Klaas with Bloomberg Opinion is still with us. Scott Maxwell with Orlando Sentinel. Kimberly Leonard with Politico. Uh, Mary Ellen, uh, I mean, it was just a enormously hot and oppressive summer. Uh, uh, Any response from the state regarding the heat? Not the hurricane, but the heat.
2: Well, you know, um, there were some localized responses and, um, you know, the the governor didn't exactly call out the national guard as he does for heat indexes, (laughs) uh, with other, with other things. It just didn't have that same kind of political cachet. Um, we had people, we had you know playgrounds that were off limits because you know the Miami Herald did it when it got one of those infrared thermometers mm-hmm. and and tested the surface of those rubberized playgrounds and at one point found one of them at 177.9 degrees just in, enormously painful um and and you know this is the kind of thing that there is not much the state can do you can't even except to uh, maybe you know, ratchet up the talk of climate change, which which did not happen. Yeah. So,
0: yeah. Um, yeah. There,
2: there There was not a lot of uh, not a lot they could do.
0: Scott, uh, it was noticeable that some local governments spoke about some actions. Miami-Dade County, for instance, has been debating a heat ordinance, which strikes me as we're just setting up another uh, uh, conflict between local governments and state governments with state government uh, potentially taking action to stop local governments from from taking any action.
1: Yeah, I'm, I, I think I'm uh, probably on a similar page with Mary Ellen and that I love blaming politicians for all sorts of things, but I don't know how, how political we can get with this one. This was just a horrible summer to be in Florida. I, th- I think Mary Ellen's been here longer than I have. I've been here about a quarter century, but it was simply miserable. Yeah. Um, the only thing we did not see is sort of a discussion about sort of the long-term effects. And if you want to start to think about things like that are, have pocketbook issues insurance. Uh, this is, uh, this is one of the impacts that I think it's sort of the elephant in the room, but the Florida, uh, our, our climate is only getting more intense. We're only having more, uh, worse storms. Uh, these things are gonna have to be addressed. But as far as summer, it was just miserable and that's no uh, party's fault.
0: Indeed, well, you talked about the storm season, excessive heat, certainly not the only extreme. We did have one hurricane, Hurricane Adelia, made landfall near Keaton Beach early August 30th. It was a category three hurricane, rapid intensification in those incredibly warm waters of the Gulf of Mexico. And the storm brought catastrophic flooding to the Big Bend region
2: straight up water all covered in water pretty much everywhere in town has debris everywhere kind of
0: tragic it's the most water i've ever seen here it's like a river in the road it was a story kimberly of uh you know wind uh rain and certainly storm surge uh how about the state response this year
3: well it pulled governor DeSantis back to florida and off the campaign trail in iowa and um you know uh, probably allowed him some sort of you know, leverage, I would say, in terms of being able to get coverage for his actual, you know, leadership in Florida versus, you know, some of the stuff going on on the campaign trail and so forth. Um, So he did come back for about a week and was dealing with that. Um, And, you know, in general, he seems to get pretty positive feedback, I would say, from voters when he deals with these kinds of things, mostly because he's showing up and he's explaining things really carefully. Um, And so, you know, there are there was that but at the same time there is this looming problem that he didn't deal with regarding property insurance and he turned around and said well I wanted to do something earlier But there's no evidence that that was true um and it's something that i mean this is the number one thing i hear about from people who own homes um you know these eight hundred dollar a month bills and people from out of state don't realize how bad it is here yeah yeah, they they don't believe me
0: perhaps there's no income tax in florida but the state income tax winds up being the home property insurance that you have to pay for if you are a homeowner because this storm Adelia, did hit southwest florida it continues. It hit as uh, as Southwest Florida continues recovering from Hurricane Ian. All of this in that brew of home insurance through the roof. The uh, new insurance commissioner Michael Jerwowski, told us that there are some early signs of stability. For the first time in a long time, we're seeing zero percent rate increase requests. Well, we'll see if that comes through in 2024. Because Scott, uh, it is just no longer a challenge of affording home insurance for those living on the coasts. It is a statewide. Problem as Kimberly mentioned.
1: Yeah, and zero percent rate increase. Uh, there, let's not uh you know discount that. That would be a big deal. But it's kind of like after getting punched in the face uh, seventy-five times, right, and right. then saying I'm not going to punch you today. Well, that that's great, but it, it already hurt. And uh, we have a a, a a a insurance prices that people are paying right now. That's more than most people paid for rent when they moved here. Yep. Uh. Or 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 for their own mortgage payment. Interestingly enough. It was really Donald Trump who uh, got uh, Ron DeSantis and the state to focus on this stuff. They'd been uh, legislators and the governor had been nibbling around the edges, but mostly not doing much. And it wasn't until Donald Trump started fussing at the DeSantis about this that they started to do something. We still haven't done much significant. I'm convinced that there would have to be pretty. Wholesale, overwhelming charges—almost like a—you'd uh, have to have a insurance, sort of Medicare for all kind of thing—if people want to stay here, because this is a state that is frankly uh, pretty rough. A big investment or uh, better regulation, a lot more than what we've seen so far.
0: You are listening to the Florida Roundup from your Florida Public Radio station. We're taking a look back at the stories that happened in 2023, shaping the Sunshine State throughout the year. Sports betting came to Florida this year after a few years of legal wrangling. The Seminole Tribe of Florida officially launched its sports betting operations, allowing fans to bet without ever setting foot in a Florida casino. Hello there, Florida Roundup. My name is Brian. I'm calling you guys from Auburndale, Florida. That's in between Lakeland and Orlando, I'm just letting you guys know about the Hard Rock Bed app. I've been using it since it came back out. I had a really good Friday, and I had a really not-so-good Saturday, and Sunday was pretty even, so so far I'm up about 200 bucks. So sports betting coming to the Sunshine State. Mary Ellen Class with Bloomberg Opinion. The stakes are pretty high for the state of Florida and the state government, aren't they?
2: Yes, and I love that clip because it just shows the (laughs) level of enthusiasm. Yeah. With this sport, um, it's fascinating because Florida will be the largest sports betting, um, or is the largest sports betting market, um, and uh, it all—all all of it goes to the Seminole Tribe. Um, they have a requirement that they do some partnering with the, the pari around the state, but there's been some bickering about whether that's working out so well. But but the Seminole Tribe has been just in very very patient. Um, the legislature and the governor signed this this agreement that allowed them to develop this sports betting app and allow anybody from the confines of their home to to bet on any on these sports uh, games. But it was challenging court, and they just kept a, kept it low. And now the courts have turned around and validated it. Um, there still remains a challenge before the U.S. Supreme Court. The Florida Supreme Court has chosen not to get involved in it. And so we will wait and see if it if it remains. But um, so far, it's it's really going to be a huge, huge boon. And and potential revenue, you know, a a very reliable revenue stream for the state.
0: For the state, hundreds of millions of dollars a year, in fact, should that continue. It was an awfully good year to be a sports fan in Florida in 2023. You've got the uh, uh, FAMU football winning the Black College National Championship just uh, within the past week or so. The FSU women's soccer team winning its fourth national championship. FAU and the University of Miami men's basketball teams made it to the Final Four. Nova Southeastern men's basketball winning its Division II title. And you know, guys, even the losers that we had here in Florida were pretty exciting. Panthers lost in the Stanley Cup Finals, the Miami Heat lost in the NBA Finals, and the GOAT moved to Florida. I would like to introduce... messi coming to south florida to play major league soccer in the meantime the florida state seminoles left out of the college football playoffs scott maxwell with the orlando sentinel only in florida would uh being left out of the playoffs potentially be a litigious uh type of event for florida
1: yeah that's we we can make anything political i liked your roundup I, i i thought the one that had a a special place in my heart was FAU, which I think got overlooked. My son's yeah. a senior down there. Ah, year. there you go. And that's and that school making it to the Final Four. I mean, that's that's Rocky type stories. <laughs> they they've never been anywhere in the picture, so that was that was kind of exciting. And even our Orlando Magic are finally looking decent for the first time in about a decade. But yes, uh, a lot of people have asked me why is the legislature or the governor ta- setting a, uh, aside a million dollars to maybe sue over FSU, and that is purely for political pandering. Uh, There is no other reason for that. They're not going to get any kind of relief. And by the way, some team is ticked off every year. Just ask UCF fans when they claim they were the national (laughs) champion a few years ago. Or any team that doesn't make March Madness. Um, That is purely pandering, but it is being done so with your taxes.
0: Scott Maxwell with the Orlando Sentinel, Mary Ellen Klaas with Bloomberg Opinion, and Kimberly Leonard with Politico. To all three of you, thank you so much for sharing your reporting through the year with us here on the Florida Roundup, and have a happy new year. That's it for our program. It is produced by WLRN Public Media in Miami and WUSF Public Media in Tampa. Bridget O'Brien produced the program. WLRN's Vice President of Radio and our Technical Director is Peter Mertz. Engineering help from Doug Peterson and Charles Michaels. Theme music provided by Miami jazz guitarist Aaron Libos at AaronLibos.com. Thanks for calling, listening, supporting public radio through the year. I'm Tom Hudson. Have a Happy New Year.